You're listening to Creators in Saigon, a podcast based in the rapidly modernizing city of Saigon, Vietnam. I'm Dana, and together with my co-hosts, Tuesi and Nico, we interview the most inspiring creative entrepreneurs Saigon has to offer on topics about life, relationships, creativity, business, health, and more. We are all coaches specializing in different areas, but our common goal is to inspire you to reach your full potential in these areas and improve the quality of your life. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Welcome back to Creators in Saigon podcast. Today you have Dana hosting. And today we are interviewing someone who you've probably seen around a lot on Facebook because she's literally everywhere. Her name is Lon Tran. She's a leadership coach and business strategist. And I really wanted her on the show because I see her being involved in so many things and doing so much, like writing a book, posting inspiring and educational content about personal development and leadership on Facebook, volunteering for Little Rose Shelter, working in business development for a company. And I'm just like, damn, this girl is a badass. I have to know, how does she do it all? What has it been like for her as a woman in a traditionally male-dominated space? What is it like for her trying to date as a strong, independent woman? So we get into all of that. And she also shares awesome advice on being a good leader and how she got over her imposter syndrome to start writing her book. Lan was born and raised in Denmark with a Vietnamese background. She has lived in Vietnam and Cambodia for seven and a half years, so of course we talk all about her upbringing and her journey to Asia as well. So without further ado, here's Lan Tran. Welcome, Lan. Thank you so much for being here today. Hi, Dana. Thank you for having me. Of course. So I want to start with, could you tell us what was your experience like growing up in Denmark as a Vietnamese person? Yeah, so growing up in Denmark as a Vietnamese person is a big privilege. I don't know if you know it, but Denmark has been several times been the happiest country in the world. And I think one of the reasons for that is we have, you know, uh, a very um, safe, you know, place to to live and, you know, the healthcare system, very high standards and everything is like free, if you can say so. Mm-hmm. So you free education and healthcare and everything. So it's a country with one of the core values I see is equality. So there are not, you know, there's not much difference or no big gap between the rich people and poor people uh, like in Vietnam or Cambodia and other countries, right? Um, So yeah, so I grew up with my parents and my little brother and went to school and had good friends. Yeah, so it was, was a really, really good life. A lot of privileges. Yeah, we didn't lack any resources or means or anything it was very very comfortable and very safe yeah it was good life it was a very good life amazing and was there a big Vietnamese community where you were or were you like one of the only family so Denmark is a very small country so I would say there are not that many Vietnamese people but 
because it's a small country. So we kind of like feel like most people, most Vietnamese people, they kind of like know each other. So we feel that there's a community and it's, you know, warm and we can, you know, it's, yeah, there are like uh, traditional events and stuff. So we get together and we celebrate, you know, the traditions and holidays. So it was, I did have, you know, quite many Vietnamese friends in, in Denmark as well. So yeah, I feel I feel like it's small community, but it's big enough, you know, to feel that we can still keep our Vietnamese roots and culture. So that yeah, that was quite nice to have actually. Very good. Yeah. And are both of your parents Vietnamese? Yes, so both of my parents are Vietnamese, and they both grew up in in the southern Vietnam. And uh, actually, both of them grew up in poverty also. Both my parents have eight siblings on each side. Um, and then, yeah, so actually, I grew up in Denmark and having my parents constantly, you know, making me aware and making sure that my brother and I, we, you know, don't take anything for granted. You know, they push us to study hard in school and constantly reminded us like, Oh, you should be grateful and study hard. Like you, your cousins uh, don't have the same privileges as you, so you should really take it seriously, you know. And even my parents, they also grew up. My mom only went until third grade, I think, and then her siblings had to, you know, it was their turn to go to school, so she had to work. And this, the same with my dad. He never had actually um, the opportunity to go to school. He was one of the oldest in in the, of all the siblings, and so he had to work. And yeah, this story is something that is still stuck to my mind when my dad, he told me that, yeah, he used to uh, go with the buffaloes and feed them and work. And then when he had free time, he would, you know, um, walk to the school and just stand outside, you know, the windows of the classes and just listening and pick oh. up whatever. He, yeah. So, so that for me, I'm like, why? Wow, it's just like something that is really hard for me. It's like, oh, is it like a movie or, you know? <laughs> So for me, I'm like, well, well, I think my parents are like super brave, you know, how can they have like a good life like this? And they never went to school. They grew up in poverty and then they uh, jumped on a boat and, you know, ended up in Denmark. That was actually not their plan, but they wanted to have a better life. My mom was pregnant with me when they when they escaped Vietnam, right? The poverty in Vietnam. And uh, yeah, after like 19 days in you know, not seeing land or anything. It was really, really crazy. The stories I've, I've been told, but yeah. So, so growing up, they constantly told me about these story, what they've been through and just making sure that my brother and I, we would, you know, not face, you know, these difficulties and really tough uh, circumstances. So they just pushed and pushed and pushed, try to motivate us to really do well. So, so yeah, my parents wow. are both Vietnamese. Yeah. Wow. That is so wild. I have so many questions now. Like, what was the impact on you to, to hear from them? Like, you need to appreciate and work hard and all of that. Was that very stressful for you? Or was it like a positive experience in some way? Definitely stressful and a lot of pressure a lot of times. But there were also, in a way, I think the way my father, he was quite smart, you know, to really know how to motivate me. So, you know, many times me growing up as a teenager, I always ask like, hey, dad, can I go to this party? You know, and I was like super 
um, social and I love going to parties. So my dad, he was like, yes, you can do that. If you, you know, make sure that you will get good grades at school and do your homework. And so it was like, you know, a lot of freedom, but at the same time, you know, a lot of pressure and expectations. So it's like, yeah, if you give me this, you will have this freedom to do whatever, you know? So I was like, okay. So that was for me, you know, positive, kind of like positive and also like, oh, all right. So I just need to do well in school and then I can do whatever I want, you know, Mm -hmm. go hang out with my friends and yeah. And how do you think that kind of upbringing has translated into how you are today and your work ethic today as an adult? Yeah, that definitely had a big impact uh, on me when it comes to work ethics, because when people, they grew up in poverty, right? And when they have opportunity to really earn and work and earn money, they'll just, you know, work very, very hard. So my parents, they worked like multiple jobs and they had like their own businesses throughout, you know, the time in, in Denmark. So, um, of course, growing up, I didn't have much time to spend with my parents because they were working most of the time. Uh, so I had to look after my brother. Uh, so I definitely have that work ethic, you know, uh, imprinted in me. So I also grow up and I had multiple like as a teenager, started as a teenager to have a side jobs, you know, um, part time jobs, uh, working as a dishwasher in the restaurant. And later on, I took on multiple volunteer jobs as well. Mm-hmm. I also helped my parents in when they had like a kind of like a convenience store. Mm-hmm. So I was there working in the weekend and in the morning, in the weekend, we had like a, we sold pastries and breads from the bakeries. So I think that's one of the things I'm really proud of, you know, being a Vietnamese in Denmark, where Vietnamese are known, you know, for hardworking people. And I think, of course, my parents, especially my dad, having him to remind us constantly that, oh, you should, you know, get a degree, don't end up like me, because he used himself like, kind of like to threaten, not to threaten, but really like, oh, you would not want to do what I do right now. It's super hard Mm. and it's not fun. And I also heard like stories about like discrimination and stuff like that. But I growing up, I saw my parents really like working diligently and really hard. And they even like had a lot of fears around losing their jobs because they also had a full-time job for many years working uh, at a factory. Mm. So I saw that, wow, like my parents, even when they were, didn't feel well, they were like ill or, you know, they would never take a day off because they were afraid of losing their jobs. So I grew up and I saw that and understood later on that, oh, okay. So they are actually working so hard, you know, to provide for us. And at the same time, I also learned that, oh, I one day I want to do whatever I want, you know, to work with and not being afraid of losing a job like them because Mm. they lived in fear, what I saw, right? No, it's interesting because I feel like it it could have gone one of two ways. Like it it could have gone down the route of you seeing that and being like, oh, I guess this is just the way life is or like this is how my life is going to be and I'm going to have to struggle and life is hard and it could have been, you could have gone down like that very negative road or the more positive road of like, okay, I'm, I'm grateful for like the sacrifices that they made for me and how hard they worked for me, but I don't want 
my life to be like that. So I'm going to, you know, do things differently because you are able to because of the sacrifices that they made. So that's awesome. Were they surprised or angry or shocked to hear like when you wanted to come back to Vietnam? So I, when I decided to come to Asia, I was 27 at that time. And I worked for a, an airline company, Singapore Airlines in the accounting department. So at that time, I've been working for a couple of years already. And I had like this desire to really try to uh, work abroad. So I thought like, okay, so I'm 27. If I don't do it now, it's never going to happen. You know, this is like the last call. So I decided to move to Vietnam. Vietnam because, yeah, that's my roots. I wanted to learn more about my culture, you know, the roots and the language and everything. And I was very lucky to get a job at the Danish uh, company. Mm. So um, that's how I ended up. I initially only planned to work in Vietnam for two years. And then after I moved here, I just totally fell in love with Vietnam and also in, with Cambodia when I had a chance to live in Cambodia also, also for work. Mm-hmm. Uh, so now I'm here on my eighth year and my parents, of course, they were, when I told them like, oh, actually I wanted to move to Vietnam now for two years and work uh, to get some international experience, working experience. They were, I mean, they were like super excited about it, but also they were not like against it or sad. My dad at that time, he was more like, oh, that I didn't expect that. I expected you to, you know, get a degree and then work, you know, get a good job. And then after a few years, settle down and start your own family, you know. Yeah. And I'm like, no, dad, that's not going <laughs> to happen right now. <laughs> like, So he was like, uh, he preferred me to stay in Denmark and, you know, settle down and start my own family, find a husband, you know. Mm-hmm then but my mom she was like oh well that's interesting she was also kind of like excited on my way even though she didn't really like that I would be like so uh, to move to another country mm-hmm. but yeah so now of course they miss me and I miss them a lot but mm-hmm. I do have a privilege and I get to see them before the COVID I was back in Denmark two times a year every mm-hmm. six months to visit my family but now with the COVID it's tough I haven't been back for one and a half years already so mm-hmm. yeah yeah but yeah. everything is okay we see each other all FaceTime so yeah yeah I definitely yeah. understand that so going back to then your uh, university days what led you so you majored in uh, business administration right mm-hmm. and then master's in what was your master's in business economics and auditing Okay, so what sparked your interest in these fields? Yeah, interesting question, actually. Um, I, again, when my parents, they were entrepreneurs and had this convenience store, I often saw this man, you know, visiting us on a regular basis, you know, in night suits and talking very professionally and, you know, with my with my dad and he was like giving good advices on different things. And then I asked my dad one time, like, Oh dad, who is that guy? And my dad used to say like, Oh, he's a very smart. uh, He's a smart guy. He's earning a lot of money. And one day you should become like him Uh, an auditor. He's an accountant. 
he uh, he takes all my money like that. You know? I was like, oh, okay, accountant, auditor. So you know, I think it's very typical in in all Vietnamese or even Asian. You know, Vietnamese parents will always say, when you grow up, you should either become a doctor or a lawyer or an accountant. You know, uh, those jobs you can earn good money and have a good life. So I was like, doctor, no, lawyer, no. Okay, so what's left? Well, accountant. <laughs> so I was like, but business is not bad. So it was not like I, you know, really desired to, you know, study business or to yeah. become an accountant. But that's what I end up studying. And I did haven't really used my education much, you know, in terms of the accounting part or the auditing, but definitely the the whole business, you know, studied in it. Of course, I appreciate that. I I learned and I understand now the the business side of it. So I'm really appreciated and really happy that I took that path. Yeah. And you've clearly really blossomed into this whole like career that you're building for yourself. <laughs> so can you actually put into your own words what you're passionate about now and how do you help people now? Okay. I actually never expected that I will like move to Vietnam or to Asia to become a leader or a manager, business manager. But over the years when I've been working with very inspiring leaders and managers and also less amazing managers, that was <laughs> you know, the thing that really inspired me to like, oh, I think there are some things here that should not be this way. And it's affecting a lot of people, you know, both negatively, positively. And for leaders, I always been, you know, had this idea that, wow, like managers and leaders really influence people's life, especially at working places. So either they're really like influencing people's life in a very good and positive way, you know, it's uh, empowering but they also can, you know, go the other direction, like really like give people a lot of stress mm-hmm. and you know, anxiety. And so uh, I think that's how I really felt like, oh, it's like uh, a, a good manager or a good leader can be like a doctor saving life, you know, or helping people to add value to them. Right. So I think it's a very uh, serious, you know, profession as a leader or a manager. Mm-hmm. You need to constantly be aware that you are every day you are affecting people's life. So you need to really like, I think every leader or manager before they become a manager, they should like, I would, you know, commit and swear that I will be my best self and contribute and add value to people's yeah. life in a positive and empowering way, right? Mm-hmm. But is there is no like such thing as a bad leader as such, but of course, you know, actions that are bad or negatively so impacting. So I think in that way, leadership is really, really important and a key really to create an impact and make this place a better world. So it's it's not a title, of course, it's actions, right? Yeah. If you like inspire people to be a better self or to do more, you're a leader. So I think uh, that's really inspired me and what I'm passionate about really working over the years, working as a manager also, I can see that, oh, wow, there are like so 
many things you can do as a manager, right? And when you really connect and you build trust with your team, you can really help a lot of people. And it's from, you know, my passion came from the people that I work with that have told me like, oh, wow, this really helped me, you know, in this way and that way. So I think by seeing that I can make a difference, I think if I share that with people, we can make a much better, a bigger impact and you know, a lot of managers and leaders will help each other and they will all blossom, you know, by sharing information, sharing experience. So that's what I'm doing right now. What I try to do is I try to share my knowledge and experience. So also with this book, right, I see because During my seven, almost seven years of working as a manager in in different managerial roles, I've seen that, oh, I experimented a lot with different uh, approaches and things to see what worked and, you know, definitely what don't work, right? So Mm -hmm. I'm like, okay, so I want to share that, you know, all the mistakes that I've previously done as a manager, failures, and also successful cases, I want to share that with people. And I think there will definitely be some people who find would find it like useful and inspiring. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, so by the end of the day, my desire is just, you know, by being a great leader and inspire and share information and share experience, we can all become a more conscious, good leader and yeah, create a better world. I love that. I especially like that you pointed out that it's not just all about titles. And I know, especially in American culture, typically like the first question you ask someone is, what do you do? And we just go straight for talking about like, job and what's your title what's your job title and everyone's like trying to climb up the ladder and get promotion and even with coaching it's like you get certifications and you get all these like titles and whatever and yeah i i like how you said it it just really comes down to the actions and who are you being rather than what are you doing like what type of person are you embodying are you embodying the traits of a leader and are you acting as a leader instead of just like resting on this title that you have. So in your opinion, what makes a great leader? What kinds of actions and what kinds of traits? When I just started working as a manager, I was not a very great leader uh, because I didn't really know myself. So Mm. most of the time when with my actions, it was, you know, I just did things but didn't really understand and when I found myself like in conflicts or frustrated I couldn't really so I learned over the years by leading myself first and under my understanding myself I became a much better leader so that's the first thing actually I think like all the leaders first thing before they you know start to lead a team or people they need to understand themselves first So Mm -hmm. what kind of personality and what kind of like person they are, their core values, their motivations, and of course, their objective also. So being like transparent, you know, and also being like bold about who they are. So work with their fears, right? So I think all managers, all people have different kinds of fears. Mm -hmm. And that sometimes if we don't understand our fears, we don't understand what drive us and motivate us and 
our core values, sometimes it's really, really hard to work, you know, with managers and also to work with other people. So I think that's the first thing you need to do as a, as a leader is to understand and lead yourself first before you lead other people. And yeah, I see where a lot of people, a lot of managers or leaders where they fail or they become unsuccessful in their leadership is when their ego is driving them and not, you know, them from the core. So they would always like communicate or work with people in the way that they expect, you know, without really trying to meet the people that they are lead, you know, leading. Mm-hmm. So that's the first thing I see a lot of managers like, oh, they try to cascade something down and pour something over to the people that they lead instead of going and communicating and meeting the people that they're leading. Those people are, you know, their mm-hmm. team. So yeah, so that's really, really a common uh, mistake that a lot of leaders, they do. I see that. Even though they have a lot of knowledge, they have a lot of expertise, they are super skillful and super experienced, but those really, those experts and leaders just at some point when they come to lead a new team or something like that, they will just fail totally because they don't, you know, unable to connect with their team. Mm -hmm. They can't build the trust because they are not, you know, emotional, emotionally intelligent enough or mm-hmm. empathetic enough to really understand the people, to connect, and then to work better together, of course. So I think that's, that's one of the big reasons why a lot of leaders are unable to create success. Yeah, awesome. So I really love that you said leading, leading yourself before you lead others and really getting down to the core of who you are. I think a lot of people kind of go through the motions of being in a job and not necessarily doing that deeper inner work of like, wait, who am I? What are my core values? What's my personality? What do I care about? How do I want to lead people? And I I had never really thought about, because I think in entrepreneurship, it kind of just lends itself to that deep development work. Like you like have to do that without a doubt. And I never really thought of it in the context of more like corporate work and, and being a manager and working, you know, in a company. So I'm glad you pointed that out. And um, I like how you said you have to be honest about your fears um, because I think that's also what makes you relatable as a leader too. Something I would notice in what I appreciate of leaders or people who inspire me are people who can be honest about their their failures, their mistakes, their things that they're bad at, because that's what's relatable to me. I want to I want to see that they are a real human being and not just this like perfect robot person. Yeah, and then the ego driven thing. I think I think the essence of that is like as a leader it's it's not really about you it's about like the the people that you are leading and lifting those people up instead of just like i'm the leader here's you, i'm going to tell you what to do and i'm going to tell you how to think that's like totally not the point of it yeah dana you said it you said it so perfectly it is about others you know there is this quote i really love like before you are a leader success is all about growing yourself. But when you become a leader, success is all about growing others. Mm. So yeah, again, you asked the question, what 
I think, you know, my definition of being a great leader is actually the, the ability to be able to empower and bring more, you know, out of other people so that they can achieve more success. So for sure, yeah, if uh, a leader is unable to grow other people, they are not a successful leader, not a great leader. Yeah, yeah, amazing. So I see you everywhere on Facebook. You're like always posting inspiring content. You're working with Little Rose Shelter. You're consulting and writing a book, like so many things. So I'm wondering, like, how do you manage all of these things without and maybe you do experience burnout sometimes but maybe not like how do you maintain health and wellness in all of that that you're doing yeah thank you for this question dana um i actually uh one of my friends just asked me the exact same question <laughs> she asked me like one i don't understand how can you do so many things and be everywhere you know we all only have 24 hours how do you do that <laughs> so i would say First, I manage my energy more than I manage my time. Mm. So I know that how I, when I need to, you know, recharge and fill up my energy deposits, right? And I would say having a great network and people supporting me, that's how it's all possible because I only, you know, being with Norcham and that as a chairperson at the Little Rose Warm Shelter, I focus much on just, you know, contributing with what they really need from me, you know, in terms of my strength. So other things, I have people supporting me so I can delegate. So we are like, it's all teamwork. Mm -hmm. So we all just, you know, complement each other with each other's skills uh, and knowledge. So, yeah. And then I just make sure that I don't have a lot of time where I just waste on doing whatever that is meaningless to me, you know. So for me, I'm very focused on, you know, I'm always working on this or that or preparing, you know, for to make sure that we achieve, you know, the impact and the goals that we have at different organizations. Yeah. So of course, do whenever I do what makes me happy because I only become a part of different organizations or I only do what really makes me happy. So when I do that work, it doesn't like exhaust me or drain me from energy, but it actually gives me energy. Mm. Um, but of course, again, 24 hours, like, yeah. So she, she also asked me this question, how much, do you, like, how much sleep do you get? <laughs> so it's not that I only sleep. Like I see a lot of like successful people. They only like sleep for five hours, but no, I need at least, you know, six, seven and, you know, by also doing like a little a bit of meditation and yoga, you know, eating healthy, making sure you are surrounded by supportive people who give you energy as well. Uh, you can actually do a lot of things, you know. So, yes. yeah, I'm very focused, you know, and aware that, oh, I cannot waste my time. You know, I should be doing something productive. But I've been, you know, um, very stressed before in the past uh, when, you know, I just only focus on working and I didn't do other activities that is really like nurturing, you know, my body and these mm -hmm. kind of thing or other things that make me feel happy. So now I, I feel like I have the perfect balance. I know, you know, when I need to rest and when I need to work hard. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah, we're kind of brought up in well, I don't know about in Denmark, but like mostly this capitalist society where it's like you need to be working all the time to prove your value and your productivity. And it's we're kind of taught like it's 
lazy or bad to take off from work and just relax. And really, we can provide ourselves so much more energy and be more productive if we take that time to rest and recuperate and recharge with things like meditation and yoga. And yeah, it's amazing how how much a healthy diet and support system can give you extra energy without even, I mean, it might be hard to do at the beginning, trying to figure out like, oh, how do I eat healthier? How do I like incorporate this into my life? But once it becomes a habit, just like any other habit, like it's, it's not as much mental effort every single time. And I like what you said about delegation. And I think that also goes back to really knowing your yourself and knowing your strengths and knowing, yeah, what makes you happy and what will bring you energy, what you actually want to do and not wasting your energy doing things you don't want it to do. Cause usually there is someone who likes, who loves to do what you hate to do. So why not let that person do what they love to do and you do what you love to do and everyone's happy. But yeah, easier said than done. So I guess if someone is struggling to know what what are their strengths or what things should they delegate to someone, how did you go about that process in the beginning of figuring out what what brings you energy versus what drains your energy? Doesn't come easily like that, you know. You need to for me I think for years, I was like so frustrated, you know, about this, like, what's my strength? What's my superpower? What should I be, you know, focusing on doing more of, you Mm -hmm. know? So one of the things that I did was really just to do a lot of different things. Mm -hmm. So by that, you know, I learned like, oh, this one comes very easily to me, you know, I can, I didn't, uh, I don't even have to prepare or do a lot of research. I just, you know, can go on and on and on. And then other tasks, I would like feel like so stressful about it and anxious. And I'm like, oh, so nervous that it's not good enough. And Mm -hmm. then have like this imposter syndrome a lot of times. So, you know, from that, I also learned that, oh, okay. And maybe I should just focus on the things that come easily to me. Mm -hmm. And then of course, by also being vulnerable enough and humble to constantly ask feedback So that was one of the things that I learned that was very effective for me is to overcome my fear of being judged and humbly asking people to give me honest feedback. Mm. So I did that more and more and more. So I asked like for direct constructive feedback. And also I did surveys with my teams and my coworkers, my ex, you know, bosses to give me feedback on how I can do better. Sometimes it would be, you know, anonymous survey because I wanted them to be able to feel comfortable and totally honest. So I'll do anonymous surveys. Um, Like, how would you rate me? What would you see that where I have my strengths and a leader, how I can do better, where are my weaknesses, these kind of things. So so that helped me a lot. Actually, by having more and more people telling you that, oh, you are super great at that. I feel inspired by this skill of you, you know, when you do Mm -hmm. this and this and that. So just one example, I had like managers giving me the feedback in the past, like, oh, one, you're so great at building connection, you know, and relationship or communication, something like that. So I'm like, oh, this is not the first time I hear this. There must be something about it. And then I focus on that strength, that feedback 
to develop it more, you know. And then other things also when I see people give me like like negative or ne- not negative feedback as such, but highlight where I have my weaknesses, you know. Mm-hmm. So it's super super important and it's so valuable, you know. So so yeah, I think that's one way that you can really find out what you are good at by mm-hmm. asking people because. We all have these blind spots, and it's really difficult, you know, if we don't yeah. ask people what they see. Yeah, for sure. It's it's we're so in our own heads, and it's hard to see what we're doing not so great and what we are really great at. And sometimes I think our natural skills and strengths they come so naturally to us that we just think that everyone can do that, or everyone thinks that way, when actually it. Quite special, and we just can't see it until someone from the outside points it out to us. So I like that asking others, getting feedback, and also trying a lot of new things. Yeah, you're never gonna know until you try. You can like sit here and think all day about like all the things that you could do, but until you take action and actually do it, you're that. It's just another form of feedback, right? Like you you take action to do something, and then. You get feedback based on how you feel about it. Like, oh, did this really drain my energy, or did this give me energy? And then you just start to figure things out as you go. So now I want to ask. So again, like you're involved in so many different things and business, leadership, personal development. I want to know. Like as I see you doing all these things, I think to myself, like, damn, this girl is such a badass. Like, just such a badass. And I just wonder, how has your experience been as a woman, and especially as a woman of color in this traditionally male-dominated space? So, first, you know, when experience this kind of like discrimination thing, most of the time I would always like. Ugh. You know, but over time, I've been more like at peace and trying to build my intelligence more and like, okay, so how can I, you know, use my strengths and my female traits in a smart way to work with, you know, these males so that we all can benefit. So just by being more, I'm like, oh, okay, I actually from I can see that my soft skills and the things that I do, you know, uh, that I'm great as being a woman, I actually can work with them in this way. So they better can understand and they're better willing to collaborate with me. And they would think less that I am threatening them or they would feel less that their ego being hurt, something like that. Mm -hmm. And then they would be more willing to open themselves up and cooperate with me because I make sure that my intention is only to help and contribute. My only intention is only for both of us to achieve success, Mm -hmm. you know? So I think by developing, you know, your emotional intelligence and also being bold enough and transparent enough So, of course, you need to build some kind of confidence level up and deal with your fear. So when you work with a lot of, you know, men, it will it it can be such a powerful thing and you can create a lot of impact by understanding your strength and how to work with them instead of against them. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. So it's it's not like you're trying to do things the the male way or like the masculine way but instead looking at what is my value 
with my feminine characteristics, how can I add value to this situation? And yeah, I think like in, in the feminist movement, it might be misunderstood that we're saying men and women are equal in the sense that we should just do everything the same way. I think it's more that both of our traits and characteristics should be valued equally the same and that like a Mm. woman's feminine qualities should not be seen as less than a man's but that Mm. they're they're both like they both add value in equal ways and it's kind of like a nice balance you need that like yin and yang masculine feminine energy balance yeah for sure that's exactly what i see we do need you know both I also see that the way when I initially was in my first role as a manager, I also, you know, tried to lead, you know, as a man was I was thinking like, mm-hmm. oh, I should be like more aggressive. I should be like more dominant. Yeah. And then I just realized sometimes, oh, it's not really working for me. Mm-hmm. And people didn't really buy in, you know. <laughs> so after yeah. that, I was like, oh my God, why did I even try to become another person, you know? So after I was just like more, okay, well, that didn't work. So now let's just try to be me. And then it it worked much better, you know? People Mm. were like more better, were better able to connect with me and trust me and really understand me as a person, you know, by just showing them who I am, you know? Mm -hmm. And as you mentioned, our feminine qualities yeah so like oh listening more and you know all of these what you what they call is soft leadership or or whatever but it works perfectly so yeah amazing Mm -hmm. okay so switching gears a little bit I want to ask what has your dating experiences been like as a strong independent woman because I I think that a lot of women who are these like strong independent women who are leaders it might come off very intimidating to people when they are trying to date and maybe maybe they feel like oh maybe I should hide some of my success or I should like not be as strong or I should like make myself smaller to accommodate for this other person's insecurity around me so I was wondering like if you've had experiences like that I would say yes of course (laughs) and I think it's still a struggle to be completely honest it's it I don't know maybe it's something I'm telling myself, but it's really been my experience and it's been super hard, you know, and I still feel today that I can't be like a hundred percent like, Ooh, you know, like this when it comes to dating. So I still feel that at times that afraid, you know, like, Oh, maybe um, I should dim it a little bit. That's not because I'm purposely or consciously wanted to like be like that, but, um, yeah, but it's it's been like that for actually since I uh, studied at the university. I actually didn't really like to tell people, you know, that, oh, I am studying at the university or having this degree or that degree. I, yeah, just like to be like this. No, I'm just normal. I'm mm-hmm. just like this normal, humble person. And mm-hmm. because I've had so many people before when they ask me and I tell them and they, I kind of like feel like they take a distance yeah. Um, and like, oh, okay. So, um, 
yeah, so that can be hard sometimes. And especially with uh, men, I do feel like a lot of men feel it's intimidating, you know, when they hear about what I do or something like that. So it's, uh, it's not easy, you know, in the dating space. Yeah. 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 It's, it's super, super hard. Yeah. I feel that I know so many people can resonate with that, especially here in Saigon. So let's shift then to your book. So you're currently writing a book. Can you give us a little bit of a gist of what is it about? Um, yeah, I uh, was very, very lucky to have a mentor many years ago. And at one point, I think, yeah, he suggested me or he asked me, hey, Lauren, why don't you write a book? At that time, uh, my mentor, he already like published four books, I think, also about leadership. And I read all of them. So, mm-hmm. but he could, you know, really see that and and understand that I'm super passionate about the leadership. So he suggested me also, you should write a book about it. People would really benefit from learning from what you do. And you're really good at, you know, sharing what you actually do. So at first I was like, what? Me writing a book? Who would read my book, you know? And who am I to read a book about leadership? I'm only like 30 years old, something like that. But then when he said, no, write a book for yourself. Mm. That's the main, you know, that's the main objective. It should not to be become a millionaire or something, you know, by writing your book, but you do it for yourself, first of all. Mm. Uh, and I'm like, ah, okay, well, yeah, that's a good achievement. I would love to, you know, to look back and then read, you know, what I have experienced in during my leadership journey, how I started and what I learned during the way, how I grew and developed, you know, from different experiences. So at the same time, every day in my notebooks, every day after my working day, I would write down, what did I learn today? What mistakes did I do? What did I learn from that? Or what success, what was successful today? So I was like, wow, a lot of these things that I write down, it's why don't I just, you know, to make it easier for me to look back, you know, as a good story, something like that. I was like, yeah, that could be something I write in my book. So it's uh, my book that I write right now is about my own personal development. So how I have transformed since I came to Vietnam, you know, and working as a manager, how I deal with my fears, finding my core values, how I develop to become a better leader. And also more like in practical, how I you know, work with my team also to improve performance, to solve conflicts, to create better procedures and all of that Mm -hmm. so that we minimize these conflicts and just, you know, in as a team, we grew and we grew the company. Yeah. Awesome. It's so funny you say that the advice was to just write the book for yourself and just start doing it as your own like personal reflection because we just had mm-hmm. someone else on the podcast. I don't know if you know Darren Joe, but he he also just recently wrote a book and published it. And it was the exact same for him. Like he was feeling like, who am I to write a book? You know, like who's gonna read this or whatever? And he just started writing for himself. And it was almost like journaling, basically. Mm-hmm. Same, same as you, like just observations he was making about what he was learning and just like that. And then eventually, you know, turned it into a book. So that's funny that it was exactly the same. Um, yeah, I, 
I know Darren from uh, the Latin dance community. I don't know him super well, but I did, you know, um, started to listen to to that podcast you did uh, with him. I didn't finish it, but I'll, I will for sure. It's so amazing. Like you've really been interviewing and, you know, uh, a lot of amazing, inspiring people. So mm -hmm. I've heard some of them already. And it's really incredible, you know, that you are doing this uh, to spread the word and inspire people as well. So I, um, yeah, so it's, it's really, yeah, it's easier for me, you know, to, to write this by telling myself, I'm doing this for myself you know mm -hmm. so yeah yeah takes away some of the pressure yeah i love that yeah. it was similar for me with with the podcast too and and thank you for your compliments as well like at the beginning i was just like i just want to do this for fun because i enjoy it and i enjoy talking to these inspiring people and it was it was kind of my my personal development journey like I'm, I, I don't think I'm someone who will ever write a book. I probably, it, it's never um, occurred to me to just sit down and like write a book. But for me, it was more like, I want to get on a podcast and talk to people and just sort of talk out loud as I was experiencing these difficult things and sort of like get advice from other people. So anyone out there who's thinking about writing a book or starting a podcast or starting something, if you're feeling like, who am I to do this? Or, wow, this is a really big project. This is like really scary. I think the the lesson from Lon and Darren is just take it in small pieces, step by step, and also just do it for you. Like write, write the book that you want to read, create the podcast that you want to listen to. And there will be people out there who will resonate with it. So have there been any other fears or challenges that have come up around writing this book? There was the one of like, you know, who am I to write this kind of imposter syndrome? Has there been anything else coming up? Yeah, talking about fears actually is also one of my favorite topics as well. Because mm -hmm. um, over the years, I've been dealing with so many different kind of fears and still today and still with now writing my book, I also still sometimes like this thought come up like, oh, what if people, you know, think what I write is really stupid and it's not, you know, it doesn't make sense or something to them. Uh, but again, I try to tell myself like, this is, you know, this is my experience. You know, this is how I see things and what works for me and what didn't work for me. And I yeah. really want to share this, you know, with people. Uh, so I'm pretty sure also mo many times I've been thinking like, oh, like, I don't have, do I have enough experience, you know, just to share with people, you know, whenever I have like these coaching sessions or uh, workshops or whatever I do, you know, online sharing with people my knowledge, I also think, do I have enough sufficient knowledge that I can share with people, you know, but I do tell myself and I tell other people as well, my friends, everyone, has something valuable and something, you know, that you can inspire people with. And it's not to say that I know everything. I don't, and I'm still learning every day, but I know for sure that what I have experienced and what I've learned that some people can take a piece, you know, a bit of that to create, you know, an impact. So I'm just thinking, okay, uh, well, I don't know everything, but I do know something. And I know that what I did was valuable to me. So I'm going to share that. And whatever people can use, they are very welcome to share that. And I think really to 
create a bigger impact, people just need to share more. And we all have so much knowledge and experience, you know, especially with our passions. When we share passion, it also inspires people. So I think everyone can have, can share whatever, you know, and there will be people out there who can learn from that. And that is actually the case in my experience. I have um, friends and people that I'm connected with on social media reaching out to me like, thank you, Lon, for sharing that. It was very helpful. I can apply it immediately in my team. Mm -hmm. So, you know, those messages and feedback keep inspiring me and keep me motivated to keep sharing. So I know that what I share is not useful for everyone, but I know it's useful for, and that's good enough for me. Absolutely. Yeah. It it makes me think like you just, you only have to be one step ahead of someone to help them. So yeah, like you're saying, maybe we can't help the person 70 years old who has way more life experience than us, but we can turn around and help the 25 year old who is like struggling to figure out their passion or purpose or their career path. And you have experience in that. So you can help someone with that. And I think something that I often struggle with is, yeah, that fear of maybe I don't know what I'm really talking about. Maybe I'm going to say something wrong, or maybe I'm missing some piece of information that like I haven't thought about before. And I fear that someone will like comment on my post and, you know, be like, oh, well, what about this? Or you missed this, or this is wrong. And I'm trying to reframe that to to see it as an opportunity to learn like, oh, okay, yeah, I was wrong or I missed that piece of information. And now I know like someone pointed out something to me and now I've learned something new and I can incorporate that into my life moving forward. But I think a lot of us have this fear of being wrong because in school, there is just a right answer and a wrong answer. Usually, you know, you take a test and there's a right answer or a wrong answer and you either get an F or you get an A mm. and getting, getting an F sucks. Like you feel terrible about it. And maybe, maybe sometimes your parents will even punish you for it. So we grow up in the society where being wrong is punishable. So of course, when we, when we put ourselves out there and, and are trying to do things that we are not so sure about, we don't know like 100% if we're right or wrong, we're going to feel that fear of like, ooh, am I going to be punished? Yeah, you are not the only one with that fear. I really think that a lot of people, you know, have that fear, especially when we, the ones who, you know, put ourselves out there. And I think I have that fear like almost daily because I always post something, right? And I always yeah. think like, oh, this is scary, you know, what would people think about that and this and da 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 But I also do it sometimes like consciously for different purposes. I want to share, you know, just sharing is caring. I just want to share with people because I know that it could be helpful for some, but also to to work on my courage muscle because every time I know that I, I put myself out there and I do something that I feel that I'm scared I know that if I do it you know I can deal with that fear and maybe I will become more brave next time you know you know so 
uh, yeah, every time I feel like, oh, this is something that is really scary. You know, I feel there are some fear and it brings me some discomfort. Then oftentimes I force myself to do it anyway so that I can, you know, expand and go out of my comfort zone, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Oh, I love that. The courage muscle. I always talk about that too. And yeah, it's like the mm-hmm. more the more and more you do things outside of your comfort zone, then your comfort zone just gets bigger and bigger and bigger until, you know, yes. you're, you're doing these things that used to scare the hell out of you. And now it's mm-hmm. like nothing, you know, like, oh, I used to be yeah. so scared to post, <laughs> post a podcast episode or be a guest or post something on social media. And now I like, don't even think twice about it. And, you know, if, if someone says a negative comment, like, I feel like the, the sting of it, the initial pain, it gets smaller and smaller, you know, like it, a, a mm. negative comment used to hurt so bad and take me like a day to get over it. And I'd be like crying all only day. a day. It used to take me. Oh yeah. Maybe like a week. And <laughs> it depends how bad the comment is, but yeah. yeah. And, and now like <laughs> there definitely still is like a moment that I need to you know, process it and be like, okay, that mm. hurt. But the pain just gets smaller and smaller um, as that courage muscle gets bigger and bigger. So yeah, that's awesome. Oh yeah. I've been there before. Been hurt so many times or my ego. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right. Well, let's wrap this up. I think there's been so much value in here. So many little nuggets of wisdom. And I'm just so excited for your book to come out. Do you have any idea like when it might come out or is it still very much in the beginning phases? Oh, no, it's definitely not in the beginning of the phases. Actually, these days I'm like super focused and super like uh, motivated to you know, be effective in my writing. Yeah. I really, really hope that I can publish it like end of this year because there will always be also be some time for uh, the editing process. Mm-hmm. But right now I have I'm in the editing uh, already like process right now. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I hope soon. I hope. OK, yeah. awesome. Yeah, we'll we'll look out for that then. And are you currently looking for clients for your consulting business or not so much right now? Uh, so, yeah, I have this. I yeah, I don't know if you know already, but I just uh, received an amazing opportunity also to join and help a company with mm-hmm. the strategic and business development. Mm-hmm. So I'm doing that right now now on a full-time basis but I still do coaching on the side and right now I still have a few amazing clients that I coach you know in my uh, free time like so it's in the evening or in the weekends where I have more time so at the moment I still I'm still offering to take coaching clients not something that I super active right now in promoting anything because I'm still uh new in my job so I, I put a lot of uh, time and effort you know to really yeah. get a good start yeah um, so yeah and there's also so many things and you also might have seen that I also just recently just to do something out of my comfort zone again mm-hmm. to uh, create the Instagram ah, account, yes. the grow, grow with Lauren so I also want to um, try that as well and share more videos and content it's pretty much some similar uh, content and topics that I also write in my book, but now it's just in uh, in video format. 
Awesome. Okay. I'll, I'll link that in the show notes as well. Thank so some, something we like to ask guests at the end is if you could speak to the universe and if there's something that you are wanting to manifest or like maybe some kind of help that you need or maybe some kind of person that you need to come into in your life in order to get you to the next stage or move you forward in whatever you're trying to do. Um, It's almost like asking for a wish. Like if you just had a wish and you could put it out there to the universe and the universe hears you and can send you whatever it is you need. Here is your chance to speak it out loud to the universe and start the manifestation process. Oh, that is so exciting. I love <laughs> My first wish would be to have more people out there interested in leadership and management, personal development to, to approach me or just, you know, to read whatever content that I share, I hope, and I do believe that they could pick up, you know, a few things uh, that are useful. I really hope that we can, you know, all together make this place a better place by becoming a better self, a better version of ourselves. So personal development is super important and finding our core values and dealing with our fears, identifying them, overcoming them, and unleashing unleashing our potential, full potential. I think I would want that for everyone. I really hate to see when people, they are stuck, you know, and in their life and not really getting the best out of it. I think we are all very privileged to have like this precious life and we should really make the best out of it. And we can all contribute with, you know, by using our talents and we do have special, unique talents. All of us, we just have to find them and, you know, develop them. Second wish is for the COVID to go away so that we can have a normal life again. And all the people right now who are hit by the COVID, you know, all the families who are suffering, I wish, you know, that they will receive the support uh, that they need. So that's my second wish. Amazing. The universe has heard your wishes and they are starting starting to be granted. Awesome. So our last question is how would you describe Saigon in three words? I would say it's dynamic and I feel it's free. Can you say it's free? Mm -hmm. So like freedom, you know, you have the space and it's not like collective, like, but it's, there's a great community here, supportive community. Yeah, Yeah. that's what I see like in Saigon. People just know each other and really supportive, especially you, you know, like interviewing and finding people that you feel can inspire other people. You interview them and you constantly also helping people also with your specialty in health, right? Mm -hmm, So mm -hmm. I think it's amazing. Saigon, it's a beautiful place to be. I feel Mm -hmm. like home here. Yes, yes. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Lon. This has been amazing. People are going to get such good value and inspiration from this. I hope so. Yeah. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me so much, Dana. Thank you so much for listening to Creators in Saigon. If you liked this episode, 
become a part of our mission to inspire others by leaving a five-star rating and review in Apple Podcasts and sharing this episode with your friends on social media. This one small act can truly make a difference in someone's life. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode and see you next time.